Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. The Christmas come down. So like I, like I enjoy Christmas. I don't know, but man, it just feels like it feels like heaven comes near in this season. It feels like the, the attention of man has been lifted, the gaze of man has been lifted to heaven, and there's a specialness in the air. I don't know if you feel that, uh, but I, I feel that, right? So I enjoy, actually, it's a big deal to me to put up lights, um, sometimes, to, sometimes to paint uh, uh, blow molds. I've been on the hunt for these antique, you know, nativity blow molds for years and finally found the set that I could afford for $100. You know what I'm talking about? The, 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 the plastic nativity scene, right, with the lights in it. And so, um, yeah, we found that, and uh, we hired, well, we didn't hire her, but we, well, Vicky volunteered, Victoria volunteered. <laughs> Victoria, did you win the ugly Christmas sweater thing? Yeah, that's what's up. Look at this. Did you talk about that outfit? Look at, just stand up for a second. Look, can you, do you see, like, she's got, and the old gla- woman glasses, and then the reindeer walking. Grandma got ran out. It's beautiful. Anyway, her artistic ability, she brought over to the basement, right? And so we spent a lot of time in the basement with spray paint. I don't know what she was doing down there. I think she was pa- painting the blow molds. I'm not really sure. Anyway, um, that's another story. So, yeah, we got them up and stuff. I enjoy the Christmas season. It feels a, a little special, and it feels a little strange when you have to take it all down. Right when you're tearing the lights down and uh, you're putting up the the blow molds and uh, and uh, Theo reminds me he has reminded me all year that I took down the tree too early last year and so I, I don't recall doing that but he and his mother insist that I took everything down too soon and so the magic of the moment is gone sometimes by the time we take the Christmas the Christmas lights down and stuff like that we realize that we don't really like the gifts we got uh, right like the you know, the parents got us the wrong size, uh, wrong size sweater, right? And, uh, and the, the shoes that we, that we thought we were going to get, we got the, the other ones, right? And so the magic of Christmas uh, tends to, to go away. And this is certainly what is happening in the story, in the story uh, of, of Jesus' childhood here, right? Uh, man, the wonder of that first Christmas, uh, the beauty uh, of of the star. We talked about the glory of God a couple of weeks ago before we got snowed out last week. The glory of the star, right? Talking about the angelic course, uh, the shepherds that would come and worship, right? And the wise men, the magi that would come a two or three year journey, 900 miles are going to travel to worship the king. Mary probably vindicated, right? In that moment for a moment. Right? For a moment, she's experiencing the magic of Christmas. But what happens when Christmas is gone? Right? What happens when the wonder, it, what happens when the, the people aren't lining up to congratulate you anymore? What happens when the magical moment of the altar has dissipated? Right? When you've come to, you've come to your favorite youth conference and the glory is high, right? But then, it wears down when you, when you journey on your own way. Talking about the Christmas come down, right? When all the angels 
uh, are gone. The star has faded away. The wise men have gone back to their own country. The shepherds are back uh, shepherding their sheep, right? And so Christmas Day is gone. The lights are taken away. The stars and the songs and the angels, just distant memories. And we come back down to the reality of just the monotony of everyday life, right? Are you with me? And so these, these ecstatic experiences with the Lord are important, right? These encounters, these Christmas magic moments, if you will, right? These holy moments are important for all of us. And in fact, every single one of us in this room can probably recall a moment where you had a God encounter and it changed the rest of your life, hopefully, right? It was the springboard for the rest of your life. And so these are important, but they are not always. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not perpetual. In fact, the majority of your Christian experience is going to be a lot like Mary's. She's pregnant with a glorious announcement, but then what? Nine months. If she went full term, she's going nine months of the whispers, nine months of a life being turned upside down, nine months of threats of the law, the Jewish law and being stoned, right? Nine months before finally the promise is manifested, right? The glory comes, but then guess what? It's 12 years. 12 years before there's any indication that he is who he said he is, that the promise of God is true. Right? There was a wondrous moment. There were signs in the stars above. But you have to know that there were thoughts of, oh, that was just the season or that was just the alignment of the stars, right? Or 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 and this is what people did in their own mind, right? Like they were like they 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 were see, I told you about Mary. I told you she's a dirty little I don't want to say that about Mary because that seems sacrilegious, but you know what they're saying about her, right? About her and about her 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 husband. Uh, that she got to cover up the situation really quick, right? And so, uh, and so for, for, for 12 years, this is the story. And finally, something little happens where they forget Jesus, right? They left him behind, and he has a little debate with the religious establishment. And then she scolds him, right? Like, why did you do this to us? Like, you, why weren't you where you were supposed to be, right? And he gives some philosophical philosophical response and the bible says she's confused like they're confused by it and and uh and certainly he was grounded right the bible says he was submissive and then they went down to nazareth and 18 more years no magic no angel chorus no shepherds no wise men no star no glory 18 years not just for mary for jesus 18 years of learning his father's trade, 18 years of, of, of living a life in a backwater town uh, where the poorest of the poor lived, 18 years of learning how to, learning how to handle a chisel and a hammer, learning how to, how to, how to hew out, uh, hew out uh, uh, the, the, uh, the yoke for an oxen. 18 years of absolute, just absolute silence from this Jesus. But is the promise real? Is he who he says he is? Is the Lord's word true? 
Or should we look for another, John said, right? 18 years of living without the magical moment, without the youth camp high. 18 years of of not receiving a prophetic word. 18 years of no one putting on the anointing oil. 18 years of no one one speaking truth. 18 years of Mary, of Joseph, and of Jesus just steady, steady on the course, trusting in his word. Mary pondering these things in her heart. Two times the scripture says she pondered these things in her heart. What was she, what she, what was she pondering? She was pondering, no doubt, the word of God and the promise of God. I know you are who you said you are. I know your word is true. I know that what I experienced wasn't some emotional high. I know it wasn't just for a moment, and that's what the enemy has told some of you. It was just an emotional high at the altar. It really wasn't healing. It really wasn't. You, the Lord didn't bring you out of, uh, didn't, didn't uh, bring you out of the shame of your past. It's still there. Oh, the Lord didn't heal you of the emotional uh, wounds of your past. The Lord didn't heal you of the disease or the sickness. The the enemy comes with his voice and he begins to speak everything that's contrary of what the word has spoken over you. And this is what she experienced, the come down from Christmas. It wasn't just her. This is all throughout the scripture. All throughout the scripture, we see this. Elijah, you know the story. Elijah, with this epic showdown at Mount Carmel, calls down fire, slays the prophets of Baal, right? Outruns Ahab in his, in his chariot. Imagine. But then he hears a voice. He hears a contrary voice of Jezebel. And the Bible says that he asked the Lord to end his life. How do you go from the mountaintop to suicidal tendencies? It's the come down, the Christmas. Come down. Right? And we've all experienced it. What about Peter and James and John on the Mount uh, of Transfiguration? Right? And they're experiencing this, this, this just out-of-world uh, encounter and seeing Jesus through the veil as the Messiah. And Elijah is present. And, they're, and, 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 and they're, they decide, we've got to, let's stay here. Let's stay here on the mountain. That's what they asked. Let's stay here on the mountain. Let us make a tabernacle for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And let's just camp here. Right? That wasn't the will of God. It's never been the will of God to camp out at the burning bush. The burning bush is just there to, 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 to give you a promise and an assignment. And if you'll keep, you'll keep your end of the bargain, if you'll be obedient, The promise will be fulfilled. And so they have to come back down from the mountain. But what happens when they come down from the mountain? They can't cast out the devil. They can't can't bring healing to the sick. And so they're frustrated. What is it? The Christmas come down. Everyone in the room has experienced it. Incredible encounters with the Lord. Only to go sometimes days or weeks, or months, or years. Lord, what you spoke over me, is that real? You ever been there? What you, what you, you brought into my heart, is that, is that for me, really? Am I really saved? Have I really been healed? These are the voices that begin to speak into your heart and into your spirit. And what do you do? 
What do you do after Christmas? That's the question. What do you do after the mountaintop experience? The problem with this house and the the grace of God that shows up on a weekly basis and his glory coming near. I'm talking about his tangible glory where you can feel the tangible spirit of the Lord. I'm talking about where healings are semi-regular in the house. We want them to be a lot more regular, but they're semi-regular. I'm pretty comfortable and confident in saying that in this house. But what do you do when you don't get your miracle? Not just, not just this week, but it doesn't come next week. It doesn't come the next month. What if you don't get your miracle the next year? So the problem with, 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 with coming into a space like this where, where the, the, the presence of God is so easily accessed is you don't learn how to persevere. And you don't learn to press in. And you don't press in in worship. Oh, I guess it's just going to be a normal service. And you don't press in in prayer when the, the answer hasn't come. It's a dangerous place to live when you haven't learned to persevere, when you haven't learned to, to press on in the promise of God, when you haven't learned to be consistent in your walk, when you haven't learned that it's not about the mountaintop so much it is about learning to do what you know to do day in and day out and day in and day out. If you haven't learned that it's more spiritual to trust God when there is no emotion and when there is no feeling than, than it is to trust God when everybody's shouting, when everybody's receiving miracles, when everybody's being healed. Where are the ones that will stay steady, that will set their face like flint towards heaven when it doesn't feel like uh, heaven is near, when it doesn't feel like he's coming through with an answered prayer, when nobody else is after God, when nobody else is screaming revival, when nobody else is, uh, was, nobody else is believing for revival, when nobody else is coming to the prayer meeting, when nobody else is coming to the Bible study, will you show up then? And this is, the, this, is, this is the reality of, of uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus and what they have to deal with after Christmas. And this is, what every, this is the test of every believer. What will you do after Christmas? Amen. And so I would submit to you that this is... This is indeed our inheritance to persevere, to press on. The Bible says that Abraham hoped against hope and believed God and believed the inheritance. Hoping against hope, Enoch was taken from this life to the next. Hoping against hope, Noah built the ark. Hoping against hope, Sarah, who was past the age of childbearing, conceived. Why? She considered him who made the promise to be faithful. 
It's our history. It is our heritage. The movers and shakers of the kingdom have always refused to give up. When hearts are broken, they carry on and they persevere. When they prayed and nothing happened, what was their response? To pray and continue to believe for something to happen. When they were harmed by friends, what did they do? Throw in the towel and complain about church hurt on social media? No, they persevered and said, God, you are faithful. Man may fail me, but you are the rock that is higher than I. When they didn't have the answers, what did they do? They went to Jesus. When they couldn't see the solutions, what was the response? They went to the Savior. When they lacked the resources, what was the response? Throw in the towel. We can't believe God for bigger things. No, God, we believe with you. Nothing is impossible. When the weeks uh, turned to months and the months gave way to years, what did they do? They kept believing in the promise. And that's, the, that's number one tonight. If you're taking notes, number one, the Christmas come down. What is my response? Trust the promise of God. Trust the promise of God. Amen. What does Mary do? Her response, her response when the angel comes in glorious fashion, be it unto me according to your word. How's it going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you know she gets a call. She gets a text from her, from her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, Mary, I'm with child. What? You're barren. That's what Luke says in the first chapter. She was barren and past the age of conception. Oh, there's always a voice that's contrary. There's always a voice that's going to come to you that says it'll never happen, that you'll never make it, that you'll never get over it, that healing can never be yours. Oh, but there's a greater voice and there's a greater testimony. And our response is to lean into the promise of God that are yes and amen. My response is always to say to the promise of God, yes and amen, yes and let it be so. And that is what the Holy Spirit waits on for you and for me. What will be your response when the voice comes? What will be your response when the contrary word, when the contrary circumstance comes to your circle? What is it? Yes to the lie or yes to the promise of God? Yes and amen. The moment she says, let it be unto me. Oh God, according to your word, that is her yes and her amen. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit is given permission to conceive it's in that moment with me when every when 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 the voices are contrary when the feelings and emotions are not in step with the spirit of god that faith responds and says yes and amen i believe your report lord jesus it may not feel like it it may not look like it oh i may not be energized for it oh i may not be excited about prayer meeting on new year's eve but i'm going to show up because you're faithful i'm going to show up because i know you're good i'm going to show up because i know a soon coming revival is on the way and I refuse to relent until I see it happen when do I stop believing when the miracles birthed when should I stop praying when the answer is received uh, it got really cold last week I felt so bad for my California friends contemplating life. Elijah moment under a tree somewhere. Lord, just take my life. Uh, uh, and so uh, we were in trouble because we needed wood. 
So we've, we've just committed to, you know, to being lumberjacks and farmers. We, I mean, just until we see it happen, this is what we're going to, this is the game we're going to play. So we got the chainsaw and we went looking for a tree. Found a dead one. And so out of work. Unfortunately, my big chainsaw wasn't, wasn't functioning, so I had to use the little one, which was really actually not safe and uh, wasn't because of multiple cuts versus one. It was bad. But anyway, this big, and, uh, and so we fell this tree. It was the most magnificent, like, incredible feeling. If you've, never, if you've never chopped a tree or sawed a tree down, you need to come over to the farm. And these farmers... We'll introduce you to this. It's hearing it crash. There's no words that can explain. And so this tree was large, like it was some girth to it there. And so John came over and was always, he saw a po- he post about it, I think. And so he was there, which he's always, uh, I learned from him. He knows I need his help. He knows I have no idea what I'm going, I'm doing, and I'll probably kill myself. So he shows up. Anyway. Some, you have to understand when you're chopping wood, right, some wood is just not, it, it doesn't, it takes some swings, okay? Not every, not every swing, I mean, if you got a nice little tiny, you know, you can do a one swing. I know some of you are like, <laughs> you know, you haven't got, it, got into some, some hard wood. And so some wood, it'll take 10, it'll take 20. It could take 30 swings, and, uh, and often you're going to need a, not just an axe, but a, the, the big heavy one. What's that called? The, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the wedge. It's the wedge. Somebody say a wedge? I think, it's a, I think I know what it is, a mallet. It's a mallet is what it is. I don't know. It's a bigger one, okay? It's a bigger one called a wedge. We call it a wedge. You got to hit the wedge. You got to hit the wedge. And here's the thing about here's the goofy thing about it, okay? You can swing and hit and swing and hit and swing and hit and swing and hit, and it looks like nothing is happening. And you swing and hit and you swing and hit and you swing and hit, and, and it feels like you need to walk away because you're not getting anywhere. But if you keep swinging and you keep hitting, all of a sudden that wood just breaks wide open. And it's as though that one hit had done all of the work. But it wasn't that one hit. What you couldn't see on the inside was beginning to break apart. And it doesn't manifest on the outside until you do it until it breaks. And so we pray and we believe and we push and we persevere until what we are believing for is manifested. When do I stop? I don't stop until I see revival. When do I stop? I don't stop until I see my family saved. When do I stop? I don't stop until I see healing manifested. I stop. I don't stop until I see the miracle of God manifested in my circumstance. And a lot of times it feels like I'm just swinging. A lot of times it feels like I'm not making any progress. For 18 years of his life, we could probably say 30 years of his life saved three days. 
It felt like just a lot of swinging and not a lot of action. But all of a sudden, at a wedding, oh, the, the, the manifest presence of God is revealed to all in attendance. Why? Because he didn't stop until the promise was realized. Because a mom, a mama said, I believe, I've pondered in my heart, I've held on to the promise of God, and I keep pushing, and I keep praying, and I keep reminding him that he's the promised one. I keep reminding him of who he is. A dad that stood by, oh, and kept kept faithfully teaching his son how to be a carpenter. Kept teaching his son faithfully how to, to build a yoke because he knew that one day, oh, he had a better yoke for you and a better yoke for me. How do we get there? We hold on to the promise of God. I was talking to a youth pastor that was uh, raised here and sent out here thanks be to God and and he with his uh, part his his um, fiance or whatever he's like okay you look how we're doing this and there's no response like the He's like, main, main service, main sanctuary, it's fire. He said, but in youth, oh, my gosh. It's like they've never been in church before. I can't get them to worship. I can't get them to, get them to press in. I can't get them to respond. And so how does he, how, how does Have, how, because this is where he came up. This is where he found Jesus. This is where he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. This is where he received his calling. And so he's like, how, do, how did Haven get to a point to where you step in? And it's from from go, it's life-changing. How does that happen? And I just said, don't quit. Do you know what you signed up for? Do you know how long, you know how long we've been at the plow at Abundant Life Tabernacle when everybody else was stepping in to, to senior pastor and everybody else was stepping into this position and that position? <laughs> but we are content just to keep swinging, keep swinging. And it wasn't month, it wasn't two months, years Years of swinging, years of 10, years of 20, and that was it. And it was dry, and it was bad, and I was bad, and the music was bad, and the worship was bad, and it was all bad. But, uh, but suddenly the Lord, not because we were good, but because of faithfulness. He honors faithfulness. He honors consistency. You don't even have to be good. Just show up. You don't even have to be great at it. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. You don't have to have an eloquent prayer. Just pray. You don't have to have, you don't have, to have an eloquent, uh, a massive prayer team behind you. Just pray consistently every day. Do what you know to do in the highs and in the lows, in the mountaintops in the valleys when they're talking about you because they will. Oh, and when they're patting you on the back with the attaboys, stay consistent. Stay steady. Hallelujah unto God. And what does he do when you believe him? He's faithful. He's faithful when you believe him. Hallelujah unto God. He give, you give him permission to respond with answered prayer. Amen. And I'm not saying that this is not... I'm not saying that Haven is anything... But understand, it is a whole lot more than where we started. Oh, my goodness, is it? Why? Because of the faithfulness of God and because of faithfulness of, of some uh, leadership team that said, we will contend for revival, not for a month, not for a year, not for two years, as long as it takes. 
We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep preaching revival. Imagine, I don't know, five years we were talking about preaching to, to 20 kids, talking about turning schools upside down, maybe longer than that. Literally talking about flipping your school. I remember the titles of these messages uh, and, and, and teachings, trying to teach other people how to do this. We haven't seen it yet, right? But it's here. It was here the Holy Spirit come. And the Holy Spirit deposited a promise and a vision. And so how do, we, how, do we, how do we carry on after the Christmas come down? We trust the promise of God. We recognize that there's always two voices. There's always the voice of fear and doubt and condemnation and shame. There's always the voice of you're never going to make it and you'll never be enough. Oh, there's always the voice of you've been down this road and you've prayed before and you've tried to believe before. Oh, but the voice of God. Oh, the voice of God. Oh, I am your healer. I am your provider and I am your deliverer. Is he a liar? Is he a liar? I don't think he is. I think he is your deliverer. I think he is your healer. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. I think he is your savior. I think he is your deliverer. Oh, my God. And he went down, Jesus. The Bible says he went down to Nazareth for 18 long years. He knows what it means to go without a promise. He knows what it means to go without a word of knowledge. He knows what it means to go years without a good youth camp. He knows what it means to go for many long days without a, a visitation. Oh, but Jesus, the Bible says, grew. He grew in the 18 years of silence and solitude. He grew in favor with God and with men. He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. Hallelujah. In the darkness of Nazareth, remember what they said? Aren't you the carpenter when he came back to minister to his hometown? Aren't you the carpenter from Nazareth? You're the nobody. What was he doing? He was coming down to a dark place. And not just in Nazareth. The Bible says on that cross, when he says it is finished, the torment of hell, when he said that bondage is finished, he meant it. When he said, oh, when he said that, that the inability is to escape from what holds you is finished, he meant what he said. When he said your healing has now come, the disease that has racked your body, when he says it is finished, he meant what he said, and it came with utter Darkness, and it looked like that he wasn't working, but that axe was swinging from the darkness in the earth to the darkness of the tomb. When everyone began to question, What have we believed? Did he miss it? Did we miss it? Was that an emotional circus? Was that just emotionalism? Oh, no. He's descending down. Oh, he's leading captivity captive. Oh, he's conquering death, hell, and the grave. Oh, he's emerging with the keys. Oh, to the kingdom. Oh, he's working. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And we understand that he can do all things, but I also like the literal, just the literal reading. With God, nothing is impossible. It's impossible at all times for God to be doing nothing. He's working on your behalf, not just to bring you the promise, 
but to work in you perseverance, to work in you the likeness of himself, to work in you the image of the Father. He's more concerned about the image of the Father being manifested in you than you walking in the fullness of the promise. Do you understand what we're saying? And so God, however long it takes, and whatever whatever the distance, the journey you have me on, take me on the journey. I refuse to quit. I refuse to back down. I refuse to turn around. I refuse to wave the towel of defeat. Oh God, I have thrown my life in with you father oh today and forever I give you my yes as Mary said as it, unto your word let it be unto me oh may it be the cry of your heart this night as we stand on the precipice of a new year may it be your heart's cry and determination I will set my heart toward heaven no matter who walks out on me no matter who in this room has something to say about me No matter how many times I've come and believed for the miracle and the miracle not manifest, I set my heart on you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I recognize the voice of the Father, and I recognize the voice of the enemy. Amen. Amen. I know adversity is coming. I know that it's possible to be in the right place at the right time with the right people, And still experience hell on earth. Adam, Eve, weren't they supposed to be in the garden? And weren't they supposed to be together? But here comes the snake. Being in the will of God and walking in the purpose of God doesn't exempt you from snakes in your garden. You understand? And so I'm not surprised when things get difficult. I'm not surprised when this life and this walk gets lonely. I'm not surprised when at times my faith is low. I'm not surprised when I'm disappointed. I'm not surprised with the ebb and the flow of this life. I am am steadfast in committing my way to the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this is your inheritance. I I think of Adoniram Judson. The first missionary sent from the Americas to Burma, modern-day Myanmar. You know his story. If you don't, you need to. Lost his kids on the mission field. Lost his wife, wives on the mission field. Enough for anyone to become disillusioned with the promise of God. Is this really where you have me? Is this really the promise of God? Oh, but what does he do? But keep working. What does he do? But keep believing. Oh, were there ebbs in his walk? Were there times where he did he built shelters where he basically became a hermit? There was, but he kept his faith. He kept believing. And when it came time for him to recant, and they put him, build a fire for him and tried to attach him to it. And the chief in the Burma tribe says, recant or else. He says, oh no, chief. He says, the days before me are brighter than the promises of God. My goodness, a man that has lost everything of value in this earth says, oh, my days are but bright, as bright as the promises 
promises of God. What promises of God? The promises of a great harvest. The promise that he's good. The promise that he's sovereign in all that he does. He's sovereign in all that he allows. People come and they go. I may lose, I may lose loved ones along the way. Oh, but he's good. He's steadfast. Oh, and in that moment, the, the, the story goes. The chief says, I need you to come off that stake. We're not going to burn you yet. I need to know more about these promises. I need to know more about this Jesus. And he begins to translate the Burmese language, uh, uh, the Bible into the Burmese language. Countless, countless uh, religious religious works in the Burmese language. The, the, the Burmese people begin to experience a revival after years of nothing. But someone believed the promise of God. We don't have time because I'm going over it. But not only do we believe in the, we, we, uh, we trust the promises of God. We trust the power of God. Amen. It's always the God's factor. It's always the God's factor when it doesn't make sense. When mom and dad aren't for you. When, when logic and statistics don't add up. It's the God factor. The pastor, when... Uh, we had met, this is years ago, we met with an architect for a new sanctuary. I'm close, you can go ahead and play to help me close. We met with an architect for a new sanctuary, and he began to present all this stuff. And we believe in 360 design, and yada, yada, yada. He's pitching all this kind of stuff. And he said, But if you don't have the money for that, you know, and he's trying to scale it down and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and the pastor's response was just, and it was quick, he's just, we don't have a budget. We have no money. But we believe in the God factor. That's how we got this property. That's how we got this building. That's what it is. That's how we got this building. And on the precipice, God can do it, and I think he's going to in a moment. Why? The God factor. How does God come into a family of addicts? set the home on fire for God? The God factor. How does God take a, an addicted, suicidal, gender-confused young lady? Holy Spirit empowerment. The God factor. It turns her into a missionary. It turns her into one of the most faithful workers in this house. She shouldn't be here. But the God factor. A lot of you shouldn't be here. There's a God factor at play. How do we persevere through the Christmas come down? It's coming. It might be weeks for you. It might be months. Probably years. We trust in the promise. And we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet all across this house. Won't you lift your hands to heaven right now? Can we begin to worship him? In your own way, can you just begin to lift your voice? Come on, lift your voice from the front to the back. Lift your voice. Can you tell him? Can you tell him, God, thank you that your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you and take you at your word. In a time and an hour, Lord, when we can't look to media and try, we can't look. Many people can't. We are questioning doctors. We question. We question, Lord, the FDA. We question politicians. Lord, we rest in the fact, Lord, that you are unchanging, that you're faithful, Lord, that we can trust you. 
Oh, God, and that your word is true, that you've put your name above your very word, God. Oh, that you watch it. Your word says you watch it to perform it. Oh, God, in this night, Father, you're looking for our yes and our amen. You're looking for our let it be unto me according to your word. You're looking for some young people, some young adults, oh God, who are willing to put their hand to a plow in the good times and the rough times and the dry times and the rainy times, in the cold season, in the summer season. Oh God, the seed of your promise is always for an appointed time. Hallelujah. We recognize that there's an enemy who's come into each one of our, our places and spaces to get us to, to walk away from. The Bible says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. That word treasured means she protected them. She protected the seed of his promise. She protected his word that had come. That's what he's looking for tonight. Some people in the house who will protect his word, who will protect his promise, who it may tarry, who will protect it. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and eyes closed in this place if you're here. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.